Update at noon, midday to 1 p.m. Well, the total number of reports on corruption has increased. In the 2020, uh, there were 1,995 corruption cases reported to Civil Society Organization Corruption Watch compared to 1,591 cases uh, last year. And this, of course, is an increase of over 400 cases. The anti-corruption body says that 55% of the bulk of corruption cases reported to them were actually gathered after the national state of disaster was declared uh, from mid-March and Corruption Watch released its annual report of corruption trends for 2020 today and whistleblower allegations of corruption in the South African Police Service, municipal offices, schools, traffic and licensing centres and the health sector, of course, accounted for a third of the reports on corruption. Amina Akram reports. In 2019, corruption complaints about the South African Police Service accounted for 9.2%. That number increased to 13% this year. The report shows that for the second consecutive year, SOPS leads in terms of complaints received by the organization. Whistleblowers expressed their disappointment and frustrations with the police in a variety of allegations. They highlighted brutality, inhumanness towards the public, and lack of regard for law and order. Bribery allegations by the police accounted for 31% of corruption cases reported. Melusi Kala is researcher at Corruption Watch. And abuse of power includes small businesses struggle or have their goods confiscated, business people to pay money to the police, and uh, mostly during the lockdown period, where police would go to communities, close down businesses, and then take their goods and then the police would actually end up selling the goods. So you might find that police would actually sell alcohol or cigarettes um, illegally and, and then take the proceeds. What also used to happen is acts of brutality, and some of this brutality would manifest because members of the public would be unwilling to um, give up their belongings. In municipal offices, the most prevalent form of corruption was misappropriation of resources, accounting for 35%. Whistleblowers reported that municipality employees embezzled and mismanaged funds meant for service delivery and development. In some cases, tens of millions of rands were unaccounted for. Meanwhile, 19% of corruption cases were related to procurement. Businesses at times organized in groupings paid kickbacks to councillors who in turn ensured that tender projects were exclusively awarded to them. Corruption Watch also received 67 reports of corruption related to the provision of food parcels during COVID-19 lockdown. You'd have councillors taking food parcels that are meant for community members or actually selling some of these food parcels to community members. In this report, at least, we speak about we speak of 67 cases that happened at the local level of government where you have councillors and officials not providing goods to families as was mandated by NGOs, for instance, or uh, government departments. Corruption in the health sector is a trending concern in this report, accounting for 4% of reports of corruption received. 39% employment irregularities topped the list. 
Whistleblowers reported that vacancies were designed to favor officials' preferred candidates. Whistleblowers also reported that procurement irregularities accounted for 14% of cases relating to healthcare corruption by officials. We are in a global crisis. Healthcare is of paramount importance. And what we're seeing there is that there are issues with procurement where in some instances we learned of a person heading a a health facility insisting that his family members or friends should be the ones awarded to tenders to be able to work in that hospital. The report shows a slight decrease in reported corruptions in schools, traffic and licensing centres. The organization received reports of corruptions from all nine provinces as well as municipalities countrywide. Gauteng province had the highest number of reported claims. The reports of corruptions were received between the first days of this year until the end of June 2020. Kala says people want to see accountability and those involved in corruption prosecuted and arrested. They're tired of the big talk. There's only so much that politicians can say to say that they are dealing with corruption. Meanwhile, you know, it's business as usual. So for us as Corruption Watch, we shall continue to discuss and lobby for the rights of people, talking to government and showing government evidence about these acts of corruption. We hope to expose people that are corrupt and then, of course, have an eye on whether the National Prosecuting Authority actually takes these matters quite seriously. And um, that, of course, was a Corruption Watchers Melusi Ngala ending that report by Amina Akram. For more on this, we're joined by uh, Kavisha Pele, who is Head of Legal and Investigations at Corruption Watch. Kavisha, thanks for your time. Welcome to Updated Noon. Hi, and thank you for the opportunity. So if you could just in brief uh, give us a summary of this report. Being the fourth edition, what have been the outcomes from uh, previous editions and how do they stack up to this one? Well, I think the most interesting and notably significant change that we've seen in comparison to last year is that we've seen an increase of reports during the same reporting period. Um, From 2017, when we had started this um, case, we've seen a high number of reports in 2017, but then there's been a slow decline. So in 2018, we had a less amount of reports. 2019, um, a significantly lower number of reports, but now we're starting to see a piece again. And um, what was really interesting to us that was the majority of 45% of the reports that we received in the first month of the, in the first six months of the year, um, we sort of received them once the lockdown was instituted. And as the sort of um, as was mentioned in, in the earlier um, uh, the sort of earlier segment by my colleague Malusi, is that a lot of these cases had to do with unsurprisingly issues of policing as well as issues related to um, service delivery and, and the theft of food parcels. So it is a worrying trend um, that we now starting to see an increase in spike in reports. And I think what this does tell us is that during COVID-19 um, and during the period of the lockdown, there were many opportunities that some amongst us in society chose to exploit whilst you know, the country was going through you know, a really difficult time. So um, we continue to monitor these trends. I think that we might surpass 
um, looking at the sort of reports and projections that we have, we might surpass the sort of total uh, number of reports that we received in 2019. Um, we're looking to receive about just over 4,000 reports for this entire year. Um, yeah, so it, it does sort of speak to a, a wide issue and the fact that a lot of people are sort of experiencing acts of corruption um, across the country um, in relation to dealing with local governments or at, at sort of national and provincial levels. We're starting to see trends that are reminiscent of um, like the 2017-2018 period. And then... Which are the areas would you say, Kavisha, are of particular concern according to the latest report? Well, policing is always, um, or over the years, policing has become a major hotspot for corruption. And um, I think that we've been, you know, through various media reports and so on, we've been seeing how the public um, are often, those sort of the police are often abusing their powers and, and the public is um, on the receiving end of this. So policing has been a major um, issue and a changing issue for the last few years for us. Um, and we're also starting to see increases in, you know, sectors relating to health care in, in relation to service delivery. So at the local government level, um, you know, previously the provincial government was where we would see a lot of um, corruption cases. Um, now we're starting to see a sort of big change within the local government um, area. And I think in my, going into the local government elections next year, you know, we're going to see a lot more of these incidents. Um, but we're also starting to see quite a bit of reports in relation to um, mining and the sort of theft of mining royalties. That's partly because we have a sort of active, active campaign into that issue, um, as well as issues relating to health care and um, education. So those are, and, and immigration, my apologies. So those are the sort of main trending areas that we um, have active campaigns in, but we're also closely monitoring because we know that these are sort of hotspots for corrupt activities. And you have, of course, uh, the work of Corruption Watch, Kavisha, has over the past year or so focused increasingly on uh, police and health sectors, as you point out, because that was a, a point of concern. Has this year's report expanded that focus, however, in terms of what you will be looking at? Definitely. I mean, I think we're starting to understand um, different types of um, what the data tells us is exactly how the corruption is happening um, and how it's manifesting. And the more reports that we're receiving helps us to analyze where the loopholes are. And what we try to do as an organization is is analytical. Kavisha, I'm going to ask you to just please move around. Uh, we're seemingly losing that signal to you. Uh, can you still hear me? Yes, I can. Um, is this better? Much better. Thank you. Thank you. My apologies. Um, what, what these analytical and trends reports do is that it helps us to highlight where the loopholes are in, in those sectors and in those areas. So we know, for example, in the health sector, employment corruption is, is a huge issue. And those types of irregularities where there's nepotism means that um, the pliable people who are appointed to sort of key positions within the health sector, which then sort of allows for corruption to manifest. And, and by the funding, for example, people being appointed as accounting officers or supply chain managers. So what these reports 
are doing in terms from a whistleblowing perspective and from you know analyzing these trends, we can then sort of work on these issues and then work with the various government departments and law enforcement agencies to highlight that this is an issue in these specific hospitals and you know these loopholes need to be closed. So the reports provide a very um, important window into what's going on. And whilst you know we aren't able as an organisation to investigate each and every case or law enforcement is not able to sort of um, look into each of these allegations. The, the sort of broad um, and the, the broad picture that it creates in terms of where the loopholes are helps us then to go and plug in those um, areas and, and deal or sort of uh, deal with those areas where um, corruption is quite rampant and close them up so that it does no, it no longer exists. Mm. And then talking about the people who actually uh, come forward with the information uh, that you then compile these reports from, has the report measured the way we treat uh, whistleblowers at all, Kavisha? It says, I think that um, what our reporting trends are showing is that whistleblowers are very um, keen. So the, over the years, we've now received over 30,000 whistleblower reports in the last eight years. Um, and what this tells us is that there are a number of people in society that are sort of fed up at the sort of state of corruption, that they want to report these issues, um, that they're frustrated, that there's been no internal, you know, within the sort of departments or areas of sort of sectors that they work in, as well as law enforcement, that they haven't been receiving, um, you know, assistance in that regard. But I think also what's been happening with the number of whistleblowers and looking at the number of whistleblowers who choose to be anonymous is that there's still a sort of fear that by blowing the whistle, you know, they would um, face a number of repercussions. So on the one hand, um, we, we sort of I think we have to salute all of these people who've um, taken the step and who've had the courage to blow the whistle on, on a lot of corruption in the country. But I think there's still a number of people out there who have information, but are still too scared um, to, to bring that forward just because um, of the various repercussions that they may, that they may face. Mm. So what sort of uh, inroads uh, are you hoping to help make in this regard? Because it's one thing for people to come forward and expose the rot and the corruption that is taking place. But at what cost to them, Kavisha? Uh, Many people have lost their livelihoods. Many of them have been blacklisted in the sectors in which they work. Definitely. And, you know, I think at the, given the sort of state and nature of corruption in the country, I think that we need to do a lot more in terms of creating a more conducive environment for whistleblowers. So um, everything that you mentioned is very true. And um, whistleblowers don't have the necessary support, um, be it from an emotional sort of perspective or financial perspective. I don't think legal battles. Even legal resources, you know, um, whistleblowers definitely. And we've been working with the government around something called the National Anti-Corruption Strategy, which hopefully would be launched within the coming months. And part of that strategy is to improve whistleblower support in that one of the ideas is to create a central whistleblowing agency um, that would be able to deal with these types of issues and provide the necessary support. But I think um, all sort of 
players in the sector recognize that you know there has to be legal reform, that there has to be um, adequate support provided to whistleblowers, uh, and create an environment where whistleblowers where whistleblowers feel confident that you know if they blow the whistle and they're doing the right thing, you know they, they would they, they won't necessarily be consequences and repercussions. At the moment, that's not that's not necessarily the case, and I think that's why a lot of people, despite having all the necessary information, are not willing to come forward. Let's leave it there for now. Thanks so much for your time. Kavisha Pillay is Head of Legal and Investigations at Corruption Watch.